All right. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer again. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. It's been about three weeks. I bet everybody's forgot what we were talking about. I remember end times is that what you said Marcia no we, we off the end times we went off had a while the apostles good talking about Peter <clears throat> I said last two times I was up here we were going to finish him and we hadn't so we might finish him this morning <laughs> Matthew chapter 10 <clears throat> verse 1 And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. All right, I'm nervous, but here we go. (laughs) We're talking about Peter, okay? Peter was the son of Jonah. All right. All right. His brother's name was Andrew. They grew up in the city of? Bethsaida, she, she, she knows what she's talking about. She's about to answer this next, well, a question here in a second. Bethsaida in the region of Galilee, okay? Later they moved to the city of Capernaum, <laughs> where they had what kind of business? Fighting business, if it, <laughs> it's up to Peter, <laughs> a fishing business with who? James and John, the sons of Zebedee. All right, good. That was very good. Very, very good. Thank you. So we've talked about Peter's life. We've looked at him in the New Testament. We've looked at key moments in his life. We've looked at key things in the book of Acts where Peter's mentioned. And I think last time we were talking about his contribution to the Bible. What is Peter's contribution to the Bible? Anybody? Okay, first and second Peter. All right, so we talked about first Peter. Um, we talked about second Peter. There's no need in going back. First Peter, we talked about hope and suffering. That's really the, the theme of that epistle. Second Peter, spiritual maturity. So in first Peter, he talks about problems from the outside. And in second Peter, he's talking about problems on the inside. How do you deal with problems on the outside? Suffering and things like that. That's addressed in first Peter. How do you deal with, with things on the inside, which is our major problem? That's addressed in Second Peter. Um, so that, that's what we talked about, spiritual growth. But there's another contribution to the Bible, and we've hinted at it. We've, we may have even talked about it, so it's probably no surprise. But <clears throat> the book of Mark. So... 
what, what, what do you know about Mark? Anything at all? Okay, yeah, he, I mean, he was quiet, yes. Anything else? Anybody know his first name? John. John Mark. So what do you know about John Mark? Gobble, gobble. I don't, he's, he's, he enjoyed turkey hunting. Okay. (laughs) Oh, he's got his little toy turkey. Okay. (laughs) That was gobble, gobble. Uh, Now, how, now, where'd you come up with that? Because, where'd you come up with that? Something you've known for a while? Okay, I'm in trouble this morning. (laughs) Why don't we table that for just a second? You're right. What else do you know about Mark? Now you know something. Anything. Busy gospel. Well, and that's a good point. So when you think about, and I think it'll be important a little bit later, when you think about the four gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were, they were written to different audiences. Now, we, we take them all, and there's truths and applications to be made to us even today. But do you know, and, and I know you've probably heard it, but do you remember who they were written to. Who was, Matthew, who was Matthew's audience? Who was he writing to? Anybody remember? Jews. Okay, Matthew was writing to Jews. And Mark? He was writing to the Romans. Right, a group of Gentiles. Luke? Anybody? He was writing to the Greeks, another Gentile group. And John, who was John writing to? For God so loved, John was writing to everybody. So Matthew was writing to the Jews, Mark was writing to the Romans, Luke was writing to the Greeks, and John was writing to everybody. So yeah, when you think about that. But what else do you know about Mark? Anything to do with Paul, maybe. So this this guy named John Mark we're talking about, he caused a great division. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know that it was totally his fault. But if you'll remember, um, there at the beginning after Paul was, Saul was saved, the church took him and Barnabas and laid hands on them and sent them out and they had their first missionary journey. And John Mark was going to go with them. But something happened. We, we don't know what happened. We don't know why he turned back. Probably, probably the hardships that they endured 
he wasn't quite ready for because he was a young man at that time. But John Mark went back home. And so Paul and Barnabas finished their missionary journey. They come back. They report it all to the church in Antioch. And later they get ready to go on a second missionary journey. And Barnabas says, let's take Mark with us. And Paul says, not a chance. (laughs) And so there was great contention between Paul and Barnabas, so much so that they parted one from another. And so Paul took, anybody remember? who Paul took with him on his second missionary journey. They were singing in the prison one night. Silas. He took Silas with him. Barnabas took somebody else. And there's debate, and this is not the time for it, over who was right and who was wrong. And I see both sides. But that was John Mark. But at the end of Paul's life, there's no denying that when he's getting ready to die... um, And you know, when you realize your own mortality, some of these things that seem so important at the time, they just don't seem that important anymore. And Paul was asking for Timothy to bring a few things, and one of the things he said, bring was Mark, John Mark. Bring John Mark with you. I want to see him, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And that's John Mark. This this Mark who wrote our second gospel to the Romans. But since Jonathan has already burst the bubble, (laughs) Mark seems to have spent a lot of time with Peter. Now, I forgot to mention, too, that Mark was Barnabas' nephew. So it might have had something to do with the division there, um, with Barnabas wanting to take Mark with him and getting upset. That was his nephew. But... There seems to be a lot of time that Peter spent with Mark. If you look at the book of Mark, and I've always wondered this about different things. These gospels are written as eyewitness accounts. That's how they're written. And I don't have a problem with Matthew. Why? Because he was there. And I don't have a problem with John. Why? Because he was there. But I've always wondered about Mark and Luke. Now, Luke is not that big of a problem for me because if you read the book of Acts, you'll find out that he spent a lot of time with Paul and probably the other disciples. And so he probably got a lot of his writing material. Now, let me just go ahead and say, and let me just say it one time and be done with it. It's Holy Ghost inspired, all of it. You understand? But these people did write this. Okay? So it's all Holy Ghost inspired and God could have just done whatever he wants to. Everybody in here understands that. But Luke probably got a lot of what he wrote down from what he heard the eyewitnesses tell him, along with the Holy Ghost leading his pen. I always wondered about Mark. What about, where did he get his stuff from? Because we like to think that they just sat down and the Holy Ghost just talked to him and they just started writing. And that may have happened in some of it, but that did not happen in all of it. It was all Holy Ghost inspired, but it's not something that they had no idea about that they just started writing about. They spent time with each other. But I always wondered about Mark. Matthew, John, not a problem. Luke, not a problem. But what about about Mark? When you start investigating Mark, he obviously spent a lot of time with Peter. And so 
that is why I think that this Mark's account is able to be an eyewitness account because we'll talk about it a little bit later. It's Peter's account. Um, let me see where I wanted to turn. We'll turn to Mark chapter 10 in just a second. Mark, if you look at his gospel, you'll see that a lot of his accounts, a lot of, I don't want to call them stories, I guess I can as long as you understand they're true. Um, a lot of his, a lot of what he writes took place among the inner circle of three. <laughs> so he, he definitely wasn't there. Um, so he got it from somebody who was. Now, Peter, from what I've read, uh, well, let me ask this question. What language is the New Testament written in? Greek. From everything I've read, Peter, Peter didn't even speak Greek. So he was not writing down Greek. So many of the church fathers believe, and it's just a common acceptance, that Mark penned this account of the, what we call the Gospel of Mark from the words of Peter and from the things he heard from Peter. Um, now, look at Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And we're talking about, again, Peter's contribution to the Bible. Mark chapter 10. Verse 46. Mark, um, a lot of times, he's going to give, especially, you can go back and just study this, especially things that Peter is involved with in the book of Mark, seemed, there's, there's several that have more detail, which goes right along with the fact that Peter was a great influence in what Mark wrote down, such as this, verse 46, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people... Uh, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Now, there's other accounts in Matthew and Luke of this, but none of them mention the name. Mark's the only one that mentions Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. It seems that Mark's gospel also, not only does it include a lot of details from some of the things that the inner three saw, and that Peter was involved in, it excludes a couple of things about Peter. All of the gospel accounts talk about Peter walking on water, except one, Mark. If you'll remember when they were sitting by the fire, and Jesus asked them, whom do men say that I am? And some of them said, John the Baptist, and some, of them, some said, they say you're Elijah, and or another prophet, Jesus said, but whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. All the accounts have that. Mark doesn't have the next part where Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon and Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, my Father which is in heaven. And so it's thought that maybe 
Peter left out a couple of these things that would put him on a pedestal. Although most of us, when we think about him walking on water, think about him drowning. Uh, not drowning. <laughs> think about him sinking. <laughs> but the fact is, he did walk on water. Um, so, so, so that's a thought. Now, another thing is, if you'll turn to Acts chapter 12, and you should already know this because Brother Kevin said this uh, sometime. It hadn't been that long ago. I get confused with the missions conference, but I think the last time Brother Kevin preached, um, he mentioned this. But look in Acts chapter 12. Now, we have talked about in the life of Peter, um, where did we talk about was the home base of Jesus' earthly ministry? Where did he work out of? Do y'all remember where? we talked about with regard to Peter Peter's house now he worked out of Peter's house that's where that was the that was their home base but now when Christ died and was resurrected and ascended into heaven the disciples and the apostles had a different home base for that time before the church was built and the council and all this all this stuff they had a different they had a different place they met at and it it has importance here. Acts chapter 12, verse, let's see. We can start in verse 11. Now, this is where we read about Peter being chained between two soldiers and the angel coming and freeing him and him getting up and going and the gates open. Verse 11, now, when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Look at verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Mark's mother's home seemed to be the home base for these disciples in that interim period between the death of Christ and the building up of the church there and everything that happened after that. So, Mark and Peter spent a lot of time together. Um, look at 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm just pointing out some things here between Peter and Mark. 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, Mark didn't pen Peter's epistles. We know that Silvanus did that. We talked about that last week. And you can see that in verse 12 of this chapter. But 1 Peter 5, look at verse 13. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you. And so doth Marcus, my son. That is John Mark. And it's not his son. It's his son in the faith. So evidently, it was through Peter's preaching and Peter's witness that John, Mark, came to the faith. So Mark was probably saved under Peter's preaching. He spent a lot of time because they were in Peter's home. And they believe that Mark penned these words of Peter's life here. Now, I asked, we talked about it a while ago and I said we were going to talk about it again. There's not a lot to say, but when you think about who these 
gospel writers wrote to. You know, it's, it's amazing to me that Mark wrote to a bunch of Gentiles considering that Mark was Peter's scribe and that the book of Mark was probably spoken by Peter and Peter was the one that had contention with Paul over having anything to do with the Gentiles. Yet Mark's gospel is addressed to Gentiles. That's amazing to me. So, John Mark. Now, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, Mark, those are all Peter's contribution to the Bible. And with this, Peter passes off the pages of, of our Bible. So, for just a second, and I guess we, got, we are going to finish it up. We've got just a few minutes. What happened to Peter after, after this? Now, what I'm about to go through is legend. It's not in the Bible. It's what many of the early church fathers believed uh, did happen to Peter. But yet, I, I, need to, I need to say that it's not, it's not in the Bible. It's, it's legend. What, what happened to Peter? Many believe he went to Antioch and that he preached. Many believe he was the first bishop of the church at Antioch. And then he went to Asia Minor. And that's, that's not unlikely. If you, look at, if you look at the book of uh, 1 Peter, it's addressed to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That's eight, most of those are in Asia Minor. So it's not unlikely that he went there. But he ended up in Rome. So what, what happened to him? And everybody probably knows this. But he ended up in Rome under the reign of Caesar Nero. And let me turn there real quick. John chapter 21 tells us Jesus had an encounter with Peter. And I don't think we read it. We might have. I think I skipped over it. But in John 21, Jesus has an encounter with Peter where he's saying, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Everybody remembers that part. But in verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, Thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and gather thee, carry thee whither thou wouldest not. So Jesus told Peter that he was not going to die of old age. <laughs> Matter of fact, he was going he, the way he put it, stretch forth his hands. So what happened to Peter? Now, this is taken as almost fact. That in Rome, he was arrested. Now, there's some things around his arrest. I'm just going to tell you, if you look this up, be very careful. There's a bunch of weird stuff around his arrest. But he was arrested. And he was sentenced to crucifixion. And, and everybody probably already knows this. 
But Caesar Nero and, and a bunch of the Caesars were brutal men. We've already talked about Nero killing Jews, blaming them for the fire in Rome, uh, sticking them on a pole and lighting them on fire to light his garden. That's the guy we're talking about. And so they sentenced Peter to crucifixion, but they sentenced him to one other um, atrocity beforehand. He was forced to watch his own wife be crucified first. And so as they led her to death, it said that Peter shouted to her, Remember the Lord. And she knew who he was. She was there with Peter. Jesus worked out of their home, no telling how many meals she made for him. Remember the Lord. In Second Peter chapter 1, and it's no, you know, it's no surprise that Peter would say, remember. Listen to 2 Peter <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Verse 13. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. In verse 15, Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. And so it's said that as his wife was being marched to death, Peter said, Remember the Lord. And they killed her and forced him to watch it. And then they were going to crucify Peter, and you probably know this, but Peter requested that he be crucified upside down. He did not think he was worthy to be crucified in the same way that his Lord was. And so he requested to be crucified upside down. And that's what happened to him. He was crucified upside down. So, when you think about Peter, we think about all the faults. We talked about that when we first talked about him. That's what we think about most of the time. Him sinking, him denying Christ, him opening his mouth. We called him the, 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 the apostle with a foot-shaped mouth. But we read last week at the end of Second Peter, he tells us something. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And Peter was a man that patterned this. He went from a man who was rough, <laughs> um, who was bold, but a lot of times in a bad way, and the Lord refined him into the apostle that would head the building of the church. And his life is a life of grace. It seemed like, if you think about like like we said when we talked about it, Every time he would do something good and get commended, it wouldn't be long until he would stick his foot in his mouth and have to be reprimanded. <laughs> and it's the same with us. Our lives are to be a life of grace. But Peter, the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth, did mighty things for the Lord and died as a martyr, ultimately. And that's it for Peter. So next time...
unless the Lord leads another way, we're going to talk about his brother Andrew. Now, I don't know how much you know about Andrew, but I didn't know hardly anything about Andrew. But there's a lot to pick out from Andrew's life. He's a stark contrast to his brother, Peter. And we'll talk about that next time. All right, Johnny, you want to dismiss us?